Hello and welcome to Comically Incompetent. My name is Doug. And I'm Ben. And real quickly, first order of business, we are on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, whatever you want, every Monday, 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, new episodes. So don't forget to check us out on those. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like the video, subscribe to the channel, all that jazz, all the stuff you already know because you hear it all the time. Um, So to get into it, we have a beer this week from a brewery that I know very well. It is Smog City Brewing with a beer called Devil Up a Tree. Now, Ben, why don't you talk a little about the character that ties into this beer? Alrighty, let's dive straight into it. And our character for the week, Talia Al Ghul. This is a character that has been all over popular media for like the last 10 years. She was in The Dark Knight. She's obviously had comic book runs. She was in the Arrowverse television shows. She's been all over. Super cool character. As we'll see, we're kind of tagging her into our Electra. So they got, got, got a couple similarities there. So we'll keep that in mind. So to start off, kind of a two-parter. Yeah, good one of those i have fun I, I think it's fun when we do a little bit of these bad boys yeah so to start off if you didn't pick up from the earlier references she is a dc character she was first shown in 1971 and she was created by writer dennis o'neill and artist bob brown so way to go guys diving straight into kind of the earliest origins what this character looks like etc etc so as far as physical appearance so she's an athletically built about late 20s female her character spans quite a few decades of existence, but she has like, she's one of those unusually long life and unusually young appearance kind of things. So that is what it is. Uh, her father was Ra's al Ghul, who's another one really famous, played by Liam Neeson in the movies. Very, very famous Batman villain, part of the rogues galleries. Um, he's an Arabic character. And then her mother was part Chinese and part Arabic. They were both from these like nomadic tribes, met up, had their child. So she is often seen wearing a couple different outfits, which I think is like a first for us. Usually in our episodes, it's very much so like it's the juggernaut. He's always got his red armor with his big metal helmet. You know, like it's the kind of the first one. So first one we've seen is black, kind of a black leather suit. So if anyone thinks about kind of our descriptions of like Black Widow's outfit, that's one of her traditional garbs. That's her when she's like doing her assassin-y kind of stuff, which she may sometimes do. She wears that. She has a gray armored suit which is another one she's commonly seen. That's more of like her battle attire. Um, I don't know if it's exactly like male kind of thing because it's kind of hard to distinguish or if it's just like hardened leather. But that's one of her other outfits is she wears this um, gray battle armor kind of suit. And then very often she's seen wearing high class attire, I guess you'd, you'd call it. She's in the Batman universe, I guess I'd say. Obviously, they're all in the same universe in DC, but she's more or less a Batman character, and so a lot of times she's at these high-class parties with Bruce Wayne, so she wears, you know, nice gowns, things like that. Those are her traditional garbs, and then she's often seen with her swords, and this is going to be another fun one because we had the side discussion. Um, Her swords are technically scimitars, which is a sword with a, uh, of, like, I believe, Arabic origin, it has a curved blade. So if you've ever seen like the kind of curved blades in a lot of like Prince of Persia and like 300 and all that stuff, those are scimitars and they always have like a blade guard. So like the Psy from the previous episode, it's very much a duelist weapon. So rather than just like stabbing somebody in their sleep, like it's a, it's a fighter's kind of weapon. So that's... Except no Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles use this weapon, unlike the size. 
That is true. It'd be a lot cooler if they did. <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> All right. So getting into kind of the the early experience of this character. So she's the daughter of Ra's al Ghul, like I said. Ra's al Ghul is actually um, Arabic. It translates to, I believe it's like the chief ghoul or a, like a more a better description is the, the chief demon. And she's known as the daughter of the demon. That's kind of where our, our, our beer kind of flows into it. I like that expression flows into it. I don't think I've ever used that before. <laughs> yeah. So that's where our beer comes into it. She's the daughter of the demon. Her mother died when she was very young and she kind of started wandering the world with her father, learning about martial arts, learning about espionage and running a criminal empire. So here's already kind of our first tie into our previous character is tragic, tragic family past. Father is, um, I almost want to say like career criminal, but that sounds so like lesser. He's like a, he's like a criminal syndicate leader. So she learns all about that. She has a bunch of minor adventures before what I would say her story really begins. You know, like she'll get into this criminal activity or that. But I'd say her main story begins when she gets captured by Dr. Dark, who's the who was uh, one of the heads of the League of Assassins who rose up against Ra's al Ghul. Ra's al Ghul is like the king head of the League of Assassins. You know, that's something that we've seen in pop culture a couple times. It's been, you know, in animated adventures. It's been in um, the first Dark Knight movie, I believe, is the one with Ra's al Ghul. But yeah. Yeah. So she gets kidnapped. Batman comes to save her. She kills Dark in the process because Dark was going to kill Batman. Yada, yada, yada. It's it's one of the, You know what it actually kind of reminds me of is... um. Oh boy, it was when we were talking about the Red Guardian and they were on that volcano. Or no, that was Black Widow. We were talking about Black Widow and they were in like yeah. the volcano. It was very much one of those like you uh, Batman goes in to save her, he saves her, it gets flipped on Batman, then she ends up saving Batman. Um from this point forward, she's a very consistent ally, enemy and anti-hero of Gotham and is also Batman's lover. You know, she's kind of she's a very quintessential character in the Batman universe. She's kind of always around and she's been around constantly since her inception. So she was started in 71. And this is a character that like has never left. It's like every year or two, uh, it comes back. She comes back and has some sort of storyline going down again, usually with Batman. She doesn't do a lot of solo stuff. I mean, you might get a solo adventure that then just comes back and ties into Batman again, or Batman has a solo adventure that comes in and ties to her. So they're very yeah. much so linked characters. Yeah, I mean, her media list is really long. I mean, she's done, she's been a part of a lot of different storylines. Yeah, and I think it's an interesting one because for how much she's been in, I feel like not necessarily everybody could just instantly be like, oh, of course, Talia al Ghul. You know, like when you imagine Batman, I think for, for like female anti hero a lot more people would jump to or anti-hero or hero in the Batman world. People would jump to like Catwoman, yeah, or possibly like Batgirl is one of them in there. Even though I think Batgirl's a little more like a Robin, but we see that in was what was the Batman movie with George Clooney and the Bat Nipples and Alicia Silverstone plays Batgirl. Oh God, is, is that, that Batman Forever? Forever? Yeah, I think that's Forever. No, no, it was Batman and Robin. Is it Batman? Okay, it's Batman. I, and Robin. I'm not as good with the movie. But yeah, I, I think it's interesting that this is not a name that's more known by people, especially considering like she's been in a lot. Like we're going to kind of go into as this episode goes on is this isn't a character that was only in like one movie or one comic book run. Like obviously I'm saying here she's doing a billion ones. 
some of the real big things that she has gotten herself into, because that that more or less is her origin. That's how she enters Batman's universe and kind of everything branches out from there. Some of the other important plots that she did that kind of show some of her skill set is she was fundamental in taking down LexCorp from the inside. So for anyone that doesn't necessarily know that, uh, Lex Luthor creates a company called LexCorp, and that's his Bond villain evil hatchery that he does all of his stuff to. She actually infiltrated in like a in like a business way and brought down the company from the inside. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, at one point, she's killed and resurrected by something called the Lazarus Pit, which I believe they mention in like the Arrowverse shows, which gives her a whole slew of other powers, which I think is the exact same phrase I used when talking about Elektra. I love looking at some of the, the similarities of these characters because they're also these characters... Those occurrences in the comics ap- appeared at uh, very different times. So there's yet again character that got brought back to life. Crazy yeah. powers. Awesome assassin lady. God, I love Talia Ghoul. I also think Talia Ghoul is one of the coolest, like, real names of a, of a comic book character. <laughs> like, not like pseudonym, but like her name's actually that. Yeah. That's so cool. And our beer cheating death from last week could have worked, but you know, we got to change it up. We change exactly. We can't just drink the same beer every day unless we do. <laughs> well i mean the uh, beers do come in four packs so we that, is, that, that is true so anybody if you guys got the beer from last week and are enjoying the beer whilst listening to this episode it works just as well <laughs> <laughs> so she's also a founder of a group called uh leviathan it's like a shadow organization you know like one of those little sneaky organizations that are infiltrating all around you know um this is a organization organization was basically created to counter batman's efforts like Batman creates his own organization that's like a charitable, I don't want to call it crime fighting, but like making the world a better place organization. This was designed to be like the uh, antithesis or whatever you would say um, of that organization. So that's another important one. And then just as another one, we did mention earlier that uh, her and Batman are lovers. And she's actually the mother of Damian Wayne, who uh, is the fifth Robin. For people that don't know Batman super well, is there actually is like a chronological order of Robins. I think Batman's had like, oh, I think he's had like seven Robins, like six, seven Robins, something like that. Um, And they actually, they confirm it. They're like, okay, that's the end of that Robin. Like a famous one that most people know is like Dick Grayson. I think Dick Grayson Uh, is like, I think he's like essentially, that's Robin. Like if people imagine Robin, it's probably Dick Grayson. That's Um, the one I think of, but I think most because I think that was the one in the movies as well as that's the one that was part of the circus and that's hilarious bingo but yeah so <laughs> yeah i mean there's like a bunch of different robins going through there some of them uh die some of them go on to other stuff like um another popular iteration that we see is the robin that ends up becoming nightwing like that's a specific robin Ooh, like that's so cool yeah nightwing's awesome but like not every robin becomes nightwing it, and i'm a horrible fan for not knowing off the top of my head which specific one that is but like it's a specific <laughs> one becomes nightwing so a whole was bunch it, going on there. I don't remember the name of the character, but it's the same one that's in. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, it's the same one as in Teen Titans. Yes, yes, which is tough to gauge which one it is because obviously Teen Titans we see him at a much younger age. Yeah, and then I don't think they ever call Teen Titans. Everybody just goes by their superhero name, don't they? Like I don't think they ever I think call. They them. said it. I haven't seen the show since it was on air, but I think they say it at some point in the show. They also like remade that show. Teen Titans like a, Go? Yeah, it's a Yeah, it's like a horrible, chibi version, kind of. Yeah, steaming pile of garbo, but it's oh, the good, original good to know I don't have to go back and watch that. You don't. <laughs> like, to a point where even in that show, 
they reference how they weren't as good as the original one by oh, having brutal. like a crossover episode where the Teen Titans Go meets the Teen Titans that we know cat like characters and it's just, it's they actually reference in the show how like people don't like their show as much. That is very meta. That it's is super so meta. Oh my gosh. All right. So let's get back. This one is going to be a little shorter than traditional, but we're going to run through some of her powers. And I think this might be the first time you might be able to get all of these. I'm going to give you the preface that at least one of them falls under that category of Daredevil being a lawyer. <laughs> okay, <laughs> at least okay. one of these, yeah. Uh, all right, I'm going to say like peak human fitness. She is pretty darn fit. Uh, master fighter. I don't know what kind of fighting, but fighter. So I included both martial artist and the fact that she's, even above being a martial artist, incredibly skilled with swords. Like, that's okay. kind of her traditional weapon, is is her scimitars. Um, I'm gonna say, uh, super spy kind of thing. Maybe, like, uh, you used it with Black Widow, like, super seductress. Super se- Well, she does a good job with that with Batman. <laughs> okay, so not that then. <laughs> yeah, not so much. Her hers is more um she very specifically is into Batman. Um, okay. But is not necessarily using that in all assets or uh aspects of her life. Um one I, of them I sneaked in a little bit earlier when we were talking about uh when I was describing the character. Super spy. <laughs> Back to the super spy. No, I was mentioning that she has slowed aging. So whether that's oh from, yeah well, you did say that okay whether it's from the Lazarus pit or her family's origins like her family's a very mystical family she has been granted the gift of slow aging like Black Widow so that's that's why I was like well you know like she looks like she's about in her like late twenties but that might be like a thirty year span that she looks like she's in her late twenties you know okay yeah yeah. She is skilled with firearms, which I think we, we has been kind of close to a lot of them, like with like the spy and assassin yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, so she's skilled with firearms. And then I think this is the this is kind of my sneaky one of her, her skill is due to the way she was brought up with her father and the fact that her family was, you know, these heads of the League of Assassins. She's an incredibly intelligent business leader, which we see when she's able to infiltrate LexCorp, bring it down from the inside. And then she's also a criminal a criminal sy- <laughs> that was so hard a criminal syndicate leader which i I'm thought is another oh bummer <laughs> well, this is accent <laughs> so yeah so she's a criminal syndicate leader which i think is very important to bring up because i think that was kind of something we touched on when we did like the penguin episode i think yeah. that's not a skill set that every villain or hero possesses is the ability to like have this corporation essentially be functioning behind you or you know you functioning from the inside of that so yeah i consider that a bit of a power it may not be a superpower but it's a power i think i feel like that power is a lot more common in dc than it is in marvel because i feel like a lot of the villains for dc have these like corporations that they also run like on the side yeah really the only one that pops to mind immediately for marvel is not a villain that's obviously like stark tower or stark industries yeah and, you know, there's some in there. But, yeah, for the most part, it's much more of a DC thing, which I I have always told people when they ask about the differences between DC and Marvel, because that's, like, a lot of people's first question is, like, there must be, like, overarching differences. First one I always go to is that DC uses fake cities, like, 
yeah like, Arkham's based on a city but it's Arkham and then like in Marvel like they're in New York or New Jersey or et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, um, I mean, you have Gotham, Metropolis. Yeah, but uh, in D in uh, DC, we see a lot more of these like criminal syndicate, shadow organization, bad guys. Where it's like it's almost like something you could imagine is real. You know, you're like, yeah, there could be like in a League of Assassins, I guess. I mean, they're not doing anything. You know, like it kind of fits within the confines of the universe that it would work. Like Penguin probably doesn't have an umbrella like that, but there could be a a leader like the Penguin. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the big thing between DC and Marvel, I mean, is that they're, for DC, it's rooted in more of, I mean, take it with a grain of salt, but more realism than Marvel is. I, I, I would agree with that. For the for the most part, it is more grounded in realism. Obviously, yeah. comic books, it's crazy. Yeah. But, like, they hit those darker tones a lot more. At least in pop culture, they hit the darker tones more. A lot of the Marvel comic books are very dark. Yeah. At least in cinema and television, DC tends to hit the darker notes. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I think is important to note. A lot of people go back to like, ah, oh, it's just all about the comic books. And I was like, well, no, they have a very heavy hand in this when they're adapting it to film. So I consider those to be canon to the character. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So as far as um, essentially where this person kind of gravitates, we've mentioned that Talia al Ghul is pretty much a Batman character. She has her own stuff, but she always gravitates back. And then she tends to always be in either that Leviathan organization that she creates or the League of Assassins. So, like, when her father's not in the League of Assassins, she becomes the head of it. It's like a multi-pronged organization, so there's, like, heads underneath her. It's kind of like Hydra from Marvel. Um, but she tends to always be one of those two groups. So rarely is she just Talial Ghoul roaming the streets of Gotham. She usually has, like, an overarching plan that she's going for, which is important to a lot of her characters' motivations. Like, we'll, we'll kind of see, once you get more into, like, television and cinema about this character, is I don't think we've ever seen her in those where she's just Talia al Ghul. She's always part of something bigger, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, as far as the comic book iteration, that's more or less kind of what you can expect from this character. She's really awesome. If anybody wants to see comic book characters that has some really, really cool fights. This is one of the top one I'd recommend because I think seeing her use her scimitars mixed with like martial arts and stuff is awesome. So if you're looking for a comic book with good hand-to-hand -hand and sword combat, find yourself a comic book with Talia al Ghul in it, especially if she's wearing like her older garb from like when she was first introduced, she was much more uh, like Arabic in design. And I thought that outfit was really cool. It was like really, really cool. So make sure you check that out. So Doug, let's dive a little more into our cinema and television adaptations of Ms. Talia al Ghul. Yeah, so as far as other media goes, she's appeared in animated shows. We have Batman the Brave and the Bold. She was voiced by Andrea Bowen or Young Justice Outsiders, which I think is a relatively new show. She's in there. What else? Batman the Animated Series. She's a classic. part of that show. Yeah, a classic show. I mean, a, a, if you're a fan of like Batman, that's probably one you've seen. Um, she's also appears in the Superman animated series and Batman Beyond, but her live action ones I think are very interesting because I didn't, I don't remember her, but she's apparently in the Arrowverse. Maybe after I stopped watching, I stopped watching after a couple seasons. Um, she's in that. She is played by Lexa Doig, which she looks. I see a picture of her. She looks like she looks like the character. She also has a cameo in season one of Legends of Tomorrow, 
but in that one, she's played by Millie Wilkin- Wilkinson, which I think is interesting. I'm which sure I would like there. Well, so I believe the way that this occurred is because I I've seen like I don't know maybe like sixty percent of the Arrowverse. So when you see her in Arrow, it's very early on because Ra's al Ghul is like a season maybe two villain in that show. Oh, okay. Um, so they show her as, I'm going to spitball. She's probably supposed to be like 14, 13, 14. She's like at Razal Ghul's side. And she's very much a child. Um, and then DC Legends of Tomorrow, for a couple of reasons. One, it happened a couple of years later than that. But also they deal with a lot of time travel. I did not watch it far enough, I believe, to see Talia al Ghul. But from my understanding, she's more of like a 19-year-old, 20-year-old. So like young adult. Um, okay. Yeah, so that's probably why they had that the actress change in there. Gotcha. We also have her appear in some other animated shows, Son of Batman. She's voiced by Marina Baccarin, who plays... I don't remember her character's name right now. Oh my gosh, Deadpool and Deadpool 2, uh, his girlfriend. Oh gosh, what is her Vanessa. name? Vanessa. Vanessa. She plays... Uh, so she voices Talia al Ghul in Son of Batman, Batman vs. Robin, Batman Bad Blood. But I think the one that... Is the most ridiculous is Talia appears in Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which is something that I didn't know existed and now I need to watch. But her biggest live action appearance, and I think probably her most famous in media, was playing played by Marion Cotillard in The Dark Knight Rises. She was kind of like it was interesting. She played a character. She, she played Talia Ghoul, who was secretly Talia Ghoul. She was said her name was Miranda Tate. She infiltrates Wayne Enterprises and. You know, Batman thinks that they're in love and all this stuff. Turns out that she's Talia al Ghul getting revenge for her father and using Bane to do that. So Bane is, you know, we think is the main villain. Turns out Bane's just a pawn that Talia al Ghul is using in The Dark Knight Rises to get back at Batman for killing Ra's al Ghul. Fun sidebar on that, by the way. So part of the adventures of Talia al Ghul is Ra's al Ghul tests Batman a bunch of times. And he's actually testing Batman to see if he would be a good, like, potential uh, spouse for Talia al Ghul. Interesting. Yeah, in, yeah, right? Um, he obviously doesn't want to be part of that weird whole situation, even though they have their experiences with each other. But Bane was actually created in part Ra's al Ghul trying to create another perfect spouse for Talia. So that's like the co- the comic book origin of that relationship is that he was created by Ra's al Ghul to be Talia's um, spouse. Interesting. Yeah, which, which is why I thought that that was another one of those where they don't get into that in the movie. But I think it's a, a good little like wink that those two characters are interacting. It's like, hey, there's a little bit of like the origin of that character in there. Like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's super interesting. The- yeah. Her character in the movie, though, I feel, as far as The Dark Knight Rises go, is very unlike her comic book version in the way of, like, not much of a fighter. You never really see her fighting. She's, she's more she's like much just more the of criminal that... mastermind of the exactly. situation. Sitting from a... Di- like, kind of controlling from a distance more so than she is, like, in the fight as far as that iteration of her goes. Wait, which, to be fair... Uh, the character is not, even in the comic books, is not the most, like, ridiculously powerful character. You know, she's very much along yeah. the mindset of, like, when we were talking about, like, Black Widow. It's like, she's skilled, and she's, like, she's good with her swords, she's good with, you know, like, small firearms and stuff. But she is, 
a better leader than a fighter, which I think that they did pretty well on. I would have liked to see her, I don't know, maybe a little more like homage to her origins and like you see her in a meeting room and she's got the scimitars on a wall or something like that. I, I would have, and maybe I'm just dumb. Maybe there was in there and I missed it, but I, I thought that would have been really cool to have a little wink in there. I'd have to go back and watch it, but the dark Knight rise is famously directed by not my second fit top two in my top two favorite directors. Not, not one better than the other Christopher Nolan, one of, I believe the greatest directors of our time of our generation. He's then. pretty good. I mean, The Prestige is probably... It, the Prestige is in my top three favorite movies of all time. I mean, The Prestige is fantastic. Then, the movie's magical. Yeah, Batman Begins... <laughs> <laughs> Batman Begins was, I thought, amazing. And then I think they just one-upped it with Dark Knight. Fantastic. I think this movie, Dark Knight Rises, was not as good as the first two, but still really good. Not a bad movie by any means. It was very and different. It was very different. I think a lot of it, you can tell, was that... Heath Ledger was supposed to be another big villain, and then when Heath Ledger tragically passed away, they had to try and find a way to continue the story that they'd set up without having the villain that they tried to set it up with. It's so a good I think, way to cover it, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think comic book fans could really enjoy the like really enjoy Talia Ghul and Bane being the villains of the movie. I think that really kind of tied in for comic book fans. I think for people like me who didn't know anything about comic books who watched. Dark Knight Rises and thought, well, that seems a little out of, out of place as a villain because I think that, you know, they weren't, you could tell they weren't meant to be the villains, but then they had to kind of force them in. And... I, I will say I'm probably in the category uh, with, I would imagine, honestly, probably a lot of comic book fans where, like, the Joker is fantastic and Heath Ledger, Heath Ledger did a, a, an amazing job and is the best Joker iteration I've seen. But I think a lot of people that have seen... Like, Batman's got a ton of great villains. And a lot of times, big fans end up getting a little tired of the fact that we keep going back to the Joker. So I, I think it was a nice, um, like, breath of fresh air to show a character like Bane. Where, like, Bane is a very, very, very essential Batman villain. But I don't... To the best of my knowledge, has not been done in movies. Um, he's been done in a lot of animated stuff. Um, but as far as live action... Once. Once in a live action in the oh, was it really? uh, 80s. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, yeah, I still just think it's nice to get more more blood going in there. And at least it was a villain that like kind of made sense where it's like, okay, we've established that in the Dark Knight universe or whatever we want to call it, there is a League of Assassins. Like, Ra's al Ghul is yeah. there. Presumably, that would mean that Talia is also in the world. So um, Yeah, I mean, again, by no it's means a good I backup. it's a bad movie. But I just thought it wasn't as strong as the first two. I think it was still, I mean, a really, really good movie. I really enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed it more than a lot of the people that I know personally. I know it wasn't a fan, fan favorite as far as the people that I know. But I think Marianne Cotillard did a fantastic job. I love her. She's a Christopher Nolan favorite. I mean, she's fantastic in Inception. Oh, and, she is the one in Inception. I didn't yeah. realize that. Oh, I mean, she's... Cool such a good actress that scene in inception where like they're laying on the train tracks and or like when she she jumps the building i'm not I, i'm gonna say because the movie's like 10 years old now uh when she jumps off the building i mean it's just, she's heartbreak she's fantastic i mean i love her as an actor she and i think she portrayed talia al ghul really well i mean again going into back when this came out i think like 2012 i didn't know anything about her as a character so i 
when she was like, I'm Talia al Ghul in the movie. I was like, okay. <laughs> I guess you're, but, you're a character they just now made. <laughs> yeah, I was like, cool. But now, like, once I figured, once I learned about her and I got more into, like, the DC comic book world and I learned about her, I went back and rewatched and I was like, oh, I see how that would have been really cool the first time around. <laughs> yeah. Especially, you know, going back and rewatching the first one where Roz is the primary villain. Yeah, yeah he's definitely but the I, primary villain in that. I didn't know about Talia al Ghul as a character. I knew, like, the daughter of Ra's al Ghul, I knew what that kind of meant, but not to the fact of, like, how crazy and awesome of a character that she is. Yeah, it seems like the kind of character... Because, like, if you haven't read the comic books and you and you see her in that movie, she I could very easily see how she could be the kind of character where you're like, oh, okay, so clearly this guy's got a daughter. Or yeah. Yada, 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 whatever. Without realizing, like, how important it is that, like, oh, no, this is, like, a fundamental... Arkham character. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, yeah, and then quick side note, just because we, we brought this up in a previous episode, um, Ra's al Ghul is also a member of the Rogues Gallery, which we brought up in the Penguin episode because the Penguin is as well. And I just wanted to mention that because I felt like that should be put somewhere in the episode is that Ra's al Ghul is also yeah. in the Rogues Gallery. Yeah. Yeah. As far as Talia al Ghul's media interpretations... I'd say her most famous would definitely be Marion Cotillard's portrayal in Dark Knight Rises. I think that was the one that kind of Dark Knight, the Dark Knight movies kind of transcended comic book fans because these movies were so good that they kind of hit a wider audience. So I would say that's her most famous one, which I feel like, again, I feel like now you telling me about her comic book character doesn't exactly express her as a character very well, but I think still brought so much to that movie. I mean, she was fantastic. I think Bane alone would not have been a great villain. I think her kind of being the puppet master the whole time gave that movie a really interesting twist and kind of brought it back around to like this. I don't know. I, I liked it. I thought it worked really well. Yeah, they're definitely a good, um, a good duo. Because, you know, like, I feel like this is something that we talk about a lot in these episodes, but kind of looking at the power of your characters, you know, like how strong they are, how skilled they are, it's... I think in, you know, one iteration, we're like, well, you can't have the Hulk fight Captain America. It's like the Hulk's going to, like, rip Captain America in half. Yeah. I felt like Bane, clearly stronger than Batman. Batman, clearly stronger than Talia. However, Bane, clearly dumber than Batman. Talia, from what I've seen in that, yeah, smarter than Batman. So I think they create kind of this good teeter-totter to even out where it's like, okay, so together... They're the brains and the brawn required to beat Batman, which, spoiler alert for the 10-year-old movie, is <laughs> Bane cracks him open like a coconut. What will break first, your spirit or your money? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, it's such a good movie. Oh, I gotta go rewatch that. That was Tom Hardy, uh, right? Yeah, I can't wait for our Bane episode, because you guys are going to hear my Bane impression constantly throughout that episode. Oh, which, by the way, just so we get a little little recent news in here so i finally watched venom speaking of tom hardy um Ooh. i actually i thought it was a lot better than people gave it credit for i think that movie was a complete marketing failure because i think the marketing for that movie made it look like it was just going to be like this really dark grungy movie i think they totally should have made it just like a comic book romp around comedy <laughs> You know, like, because I watched it, and I was like, this movie's really funny. And, like, halfway through, I looked at it, I looked at my wife, Monica, and I was like, I didn't know this movie was supposed to be funny. Like, that's why I, I, I couldn't figure out how I felt about yeah. the movie until we were, like, an hour and a half in. Because I'm like, what genre is this? Did but, you see they announced the sequel's name? Oh, well, isn't it, like, Let There Be Carnage? 
yeah, Venom colon Let There Be Carnage. I am excited yeah. because my favorite thing about the Spider-Man section of Marvel is the symbiotes. And this is all symbiote stuff, like Carnage, Venom, Riot. Yeah. So excited. But for anybody that hasn't seen that movie, go in and assume you're going to watch a slightly dark thematically comedy. Go in expecting a comedy. Go, don't, don't go in expecting it's going to be this dark, grungy movie because you will not be happy. <laughs> I have to watch it at some point. I should. I, I actually want to do a rewatch of ba- the Batman trilogy from Christopher Nolan because I actually didn't know this. Um, in a DVD extra, Ra's al Ghul's character file is shown in Batman Begins and you see Ty al Ghul as like a reference in there so she was referenced oh, really? earlier in the series i didn't know that yeah but huh. it's like a dvd extra like a bonus feature but oh, okay. i want to go back and watch them again because that trilogy is i mean fantastic honestly doing this podcast i think has added so much to when i've gone back and rewatched movies and television shows with some of the characters that we've been discussing yeah I mean, i hope that you guys the audience feels the same way about it hopefully you guys get the same out of it that we do that you can go back and like watch the Dark Knight Rises and see Talia Al Ghul and kind of know, like, kind of like it's it kind of fits a little bit more knowing more about her from hopefully this is, us. This is also a very specific goal. I hope that some of our listeners watch, you know, like a movie or something with these characters. And I just want this statement. I want them to point at the screen and go, "Oh, that's that thing." <laughs> you know, like just for like if you see Elektra and like there's like you know her sigh behind her or something, like, "Hey, it's Michelangelo." Or no, it was, <laughs> make the uh, weird connections that we what's make. His face? Raphael, right? Raphael, yeah. <laughs> just like I, because I, I lo- those are my favorite. I think those are my favorite happy moments, are when you just see something in the back of a comic book uh, movie and you go, "Oh, cool! That's a, that's a neat little thing." Yeah, yeah. So I like that. I like that. I'm a fan. All right. Well, I think now's a good time to maybe jump into our comic lease. I mean, I think you got to separate media to comic books. I think. At least for me, I, I would need to separate to media and comic book. I think we need to do, do two different comic leads. I, I agree with that, because I think she's... There's been several iterations of her throughout these things. I mean, we talked about her appearing in three, two, three different television shows, a whole bunch of animated stuff, in movies, like, in comic books. Like, she's been in a billion things, and she's been a little different in each of them. So I, I think that is completely reasonable. So I think I'm going to go with... See, I think I'm going to go for... an. 7.5 for her media portrayals. But as far as comic books, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to push it to an 8. Oh, my gosh. Okay, now I have to think on my ratings. I have to double make sure I'm sure on these. Because <laughs> I was, I, I, my initial ones are the exact same. Um, let's see. I'm going to give her... I'm going to give her a 7 for for pop culture cinema ones. Cause Interesting. Interesting. I am a little bummed out I didn't see any sword action. Because like I was saying, like, her earlier iterations of her, like, she was really cool. She has some of my, like, my favorite fight scenes. Yeah. Using those swords. Because I, I think swords are really neat in comic book characters. Um, so I'm going to give that one a seven. Because I really wish I'd seen more of that. You see a little wink towards it in um, the Arrowverse stuff. Slash, you know, big one. More in um, DC Legends of Tomorrow. Um, but then the Batman one, eh, not as much. But I will yeah. say, as a um, comic book character, if we're going to put this, and I feel like it's only fair to look at, like, we look at last week's episode, this is very much so an Electra to Daredevil as Talia to Batman, where it's, like, villain, friend, um, lover, compatriot. I think she does an even, I think she's an even cooler version than Electra. Okay. Yeah. I, mean, yeah, I would agree with that. 
Yeah, so I'm going to give that somewhere between like an 8 and 8.5. I'm going to give her... She's very high on my uh, like anti-hero hero list. So I'm going to give her an 8.5, which I think is incredibly high. I think that might be like the highest I've rated a character. It might be up there for you. Usually kind of... You skew a little lower than I do. Yeah. So yeah, I'm going to give her a solid 8.5. I'm going to go really high on the comic book version. That's my comicallys. I like that. I just realized right. Comicles sounds like it could have been like a. I, I've been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I feel like <laughs> it sounds like it could have been like somebody that makes comedies in Athens. I am Comicles. <laughs> You've been playing too much of that game, I think. Yeah, that's a, that's a bad pun even for me. That's pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, it's good. It's a good pun, but bad because you, you know why. It's a groaning kind of pun. Exactly. So uh, why uh, don't you tell us a little about our beer? Yeah, so our beer this week is from a brewery that I know very well. I used to live very close to the Torrance Brewery when I used to live in L.A., and it's called Smog City Brewing. Now, I have been to the Torrance one a bunch. I have a lot of fun memories, good memories there of drinking way too much beer. They're very, very good. This beer, though, specifically, is called Devil Up a Tree. It is a dry hop blend of wine barrel-aged sour ales. It is very sour, but not, not like, too sour. It's interesting. I can't necessarily, like, pin down a flavor. I'd probably love it. I'm a big fan of sours. Is it la- yeah. it's labeled as a sour IPA? Or it's labeled as an a IPA? sour ale. Sour ale. But, like, a dry hop blend of sour ales. Like, it's a blend of different sour ales, I guess. Interesting. I don't know. I mean, it makes sense it's, why it's hard to pin down the exact flavor. Yeah, it's very fruity. Like, it tastes... I kind of get, like, kind of, like, uh, stone fruit flavors. Like, I feel like I kind of get, like, peach... Ooh, in there a little bit a peach um, sour sounds good it's good i like it a lot i recommend it they also have breweries in long beach which is also in california and hawthorne which is another la city in california uh which i'm surprised i didn't go to this one because i've been to the one because that one's on hawthorne boulevard and i've been to the one on delama boulevard interesting if you guys know la and that west la then you might know what i'm talking That's about it's such there. an la like location to get <laughs> hey dude i love this brewery, Smog City, LA. was right around it with a bunch of really good ones, like Monkish Brewing, which Monkish is fantastic. Also, the Dudes Brewing, which the Dudes is all based off of the Big Lebowski Great Brewery. I'm the Dude. Exactly. It's a great. It's a. It was a great like location hit, like kind of on that bar hop and that short and that small little area of like West LA. I would recommend Smog City, for sure. I'm a big fan of them. They also have a really cool like kind of nightlife seating area. They usually have stand-up comedians or bands or whatever at the brewery kind of going at the Torrance one. It's really, really fun vibe. Uh, the beer's really good. It's one of, one of my favorite sours, I'll, I'll admit. I can't, which is weird because I don't know what flavor it is. But <laughs> well, some, I really... sometimes that's almost better, you know, like with those like, I know this is going to be for anyone else that is a wine drinker as opposed to a beer drinker or both. Uh, I love blends, like red blends, because I, I like that I can't just pick out one specific flavor. It's just this nice blended aroma, and I feel like a sour blend sounds so good. Because, like, you know I'm a big fan of sour, so I'm, I'm looking forward yeah. to it. So the kind of vibe they go for at this brewery, which if you guys drink beer, you'll kind of be able to follow this probably, is, like, they have another beer uh, it's another wine barrel aged sour, but with like yellow peaches as a flavoring. There's one with peaches and lavender. There's one with sage and honey. Like there's beers that they kind of have like interesting flavors I wouldn't necessarily have thought of, which they do a really good job at that. I would really recommend them as a brew. If you guys live in LA or go to LA a lot, 
I'd recommend them. They are still open, even in quarantine, for drive-by pickups. So if you guys want them there, it's still available to get at their locations. I'm not sure if all their locations, but I can guarantee at the Torrance one on Delamo. I would really recommend them. Uh, really, really good. This one, again, Devil Up a Tree is fantastic. I wish I could tell you what flavor I'm getting, but it just... It's also <laughs> like 10 in the morning. I'm drinking a beer on an empty stomach, so this is for you guys. Duck's feeling good. <laughs> if I seem more talkative this episode, you know why? <laughs> Dude, those are those are some of our, our best-reviewed episodes are the ones that Doug and I recorded at like 3 p.m. and we didn't realize we didn't have lunch. <laughs> then we started <laughs> drinking beer. Oh, man. Especially if we record... Because we sometimes record one or two episodes so if we record two sometimes we have a few beers in our system around that time oh yeah good times good times <laughs> so i'd really recommend it ben i'm unfortunately i cannot give this one to you out of quarantine because i can only get the one bottle oh sad we'll we'll, we'll but, pick out a good time once this is all over and we'll go visit the brewery exactly that'd be fantastic all right so i think that's our episode on talia ghoul that was a pretty good one. I had a good time, Doug. Did you have a good time? I had a fantastic time. All right. Well, this has been Talia Ghoul's Comically Incompetent Podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Doug. And thanks for joining us, everybody. Stay safe. Bye.